0: Mansplaining, Fruitcakes, and Hartford, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 43 of the Booterverse. I have comedian Brian Barganier with me today, and this is an episode you won't want to miss. Of course, Judy Scheinbaum answers his questions, and we have some Booter thoughts for you, all on today's episode of the Booterverse. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by Floodlights. Floodlights. Nothing this bright has been seen since Noah took his ark for a spin. Buddha. And now for news, In My Orbit. A picture of a Texas statue ignited a feminist firestorm on social media recently when it was purported to glorify the act of mansplaining, or the phenomenon of women being talked down to by men who think they know more just because they're guys. But this gender discourse says a small but growing body of the affronted masks the real issue, the offensiveness of being lectured at by art. There are different subtypes, says Melanie Markham, the principal critic of art splaining. The statue that launched a thousand angry tweets is, Markham says, a prime example of bronze splaining. How many times have you walked across a plaza and felt as if a founding father was trying to tell you that everything you thought you knew about fixed income securities is truly wrong? It's demeaning. It's even worse if it's some unknown schmo like the man who built the first one room cabin where the Arby's is standing right now. Who cares what he thinks about economies of scale? But you know, you feel like he's being condescending to you anyway. Second only to the humiliation of bronze splaining is mural splaining, the true scourge of public spaces, according to Markham. Yeah, said one woman. Who in their right mind would listen to some overmedicated-looking, blandly ethnic guy playing the piano that gradually turns into a quilt? What does he know about sub-zero refrigeration that I don't? And I have to deal with that for a whole block. According to Markham, portrait-splaining is another common offender, especially if they're the kind whose eyes follow you no matter where you are in the room. Museums make me break out in hives, one anti-art-splainer said. They're the great oppressors of our age. And it's not just men in art. It's the women, too. And they're equal opportunity offenders. The Mona Lisa, said one man, she's anti-vaccine and she's always trying to tell me I'm killing my kids. And don't you think for a second that Botticelli's Venus is just being modest and coy? Nope. She's picking apart your cellulite reduction strategy. Guaranteed. So if pedantic art is the problem, what's the solution? Still lifes, Markham says. I never feel devalued by a nice plate of lemons. They're very egalitarian. But what you put up with from art and the privacy of your own home, say the critics, is your own business. But in the public sphere, we need fewer old masters who pontificate on post structuralism and more waterfalls, barns, and abstract works. And in the end, at least one thing is for certain all those portraits of Santa Lucia have a lot of splaining to do. Now, Welcome to stage four hipsterdom. A survey conducted by the British firm Virgin Trains found that 12% of bearded swimmers blamed their facial hair for slowing them down in the water. But rather than sacrifice their swim time, those who look like Poseidon, but could get lapped in a pool by a constipated manatee, can now don a beard cap. Speed problem solved. A like-reversion of the knitted or crocheted fake beard hat that has taken Etsy by storm in recent months It's a swim cap that extends down the cheeks to encircle the mouth and wrap the chin in a layer of beard-taming goodness. Usually when we heard stories of beards causing issues of drag, swimming wasn't the first thing that came to mind, said the designer behind the beard cap. But you know, it's becoming a real problem for lumbersexual swimmers how to stay both stylish and competitive in the water. But does the beard cap actually work? Virgin trains... Who has manufactured a limited run of them for distribution to the participants in Britain's Great North Swim, believes it does, and that swimmers will be able to shave some serious time off the clock. Not everyone is enthused, however. For one, it comes only in red. It might work, said one bearded gent, as long as you don't mind looking like a red cue ball. But others see possibilities way beyond the water. If it doesn't work as expected, I can always use it as a koozie for my growler or a carrying bag for my whittling tools, said one shaggy swimmer. But for now, the hairy yet athletic public will have to wait to try the beard cap on for size. And if they can't, fear not. There's probably something in the fishing aisle at Walmart that will tide you over. And finally, what does it take to completely stymie the British royals? Rebellious colonist? The Labour Party? A palace with no adjoining polo field? Well, apparently the answer is... A fruit cake. When she attempted last week to cut the ceremonial dessert at the centenary celebration honoring the Women's Institute, the queen found her knife was more roundly rebuffed than Prince Andrew at a Girl Scout camp. A tense moment ensued where the monarch proceeded to grimace and struggle with the task, prompting Princess Anne to step in and have a go at it. She fared no better, however, nor did the Countess of Wessex, who failed despite her general association with the royal family getting it right on the third try. And we believe here at the Booterverse that the royals haven't had that much trouble and consternation over a fruitcake since George, Duke of Kent. The stubborn confection, which was made according to a special recipe involving a good few shots of rum, was baked by the North Yorkshire West Women's Institute, especially for the occasion the group did admit the possibility that it could have mixed up the recipe with plans for a patio to be installed behind their headquarters. It's not entirely inconceivable that right now across town, some very confused builders are icing a 15 by 15 plot in the back garden, said a representative of the WI. But these three ladies aren't the first in the family to grab attention by hacking their way through some high-end baked goods. Prince Charles has, on several occasions, used his sword for the job, demonstrating, of course, a definite skill with taking a poke at posh white delicacies everywhere. The fruitcake was, however, finally beaten into submission by a member of the local W.Y., and the day was saved. The monarch, who was clearly relieved, remarked to a bystander that at least Prince Philip hadn't been asked to cut the cheese. And that's been it for News in My Orbit. Today's episode of the Booterverse is brought to you by ferrets. Ferrets, they're just a high-class weasel. It's now that time in the show when our guest asks Judy Scheinbaum questions in a segment we like to call The Last Lung with Judy. Judy, (laughs) you're on the show.
1: Oh, hello, Emery. It's so good to see you. Thanks for having me on once again. Seriously, here we are, two comedians in the studios. What's your name, young man?
2: Oh, Brian Bargainer.
1: Brian, it's lovely to meet you. Ooh, like a buccaneer. I love this.
2: And you I hear sir. that a lot today. Uh, Colin Cook.
1: In Colin Cook. Well, sweeties, welcome to the shows. What can I help you with?
2: Uh, Put me on the spot. Um, applesauce or cheese? If you had to give one up, what would it be?
1: Oh, sweetie, the applesauce, for sure. Seriously, this is why. I mean, seriously, it's like pureed fruit. Am I a baby? Absolutely not. I mean, I'm not out of the cradle. I might be a hand that rocks the cradle, if you know what I mean. But I want you to know that the cheese has to stay. We have a lot of rants here in New York, as you probably know, being from New England, I did my research, and I want you to know that we are good, but the cheese has to stay.
2: So, uh, Scheinbaum sounds kind of dewy. Is that accurate? to say.
1: Sweetie, I am of the Jewish descent. Jewy, I don't think is appropriate, but you know, that's fine. You know, however, you need to relate to the people, you know, promised land and all. Do you spend a lot of time, uh, you know, wandering around the desert? Uh, my people did. I've
2: never have never. You were never in desert. the military? <laughs> okay. I think he was trying to give it like, a zazzy, like, Chewbacca. We want, we want to be more endearing to the Jews. I feel like they've been through a lot of shit over the years. We so. have. So, you know, like a cuddly Jew, if you will.
1: Oh, well, yes. Yes, indeed. I am a very cuddly Jew, if you'd like to come over here. Mm.
2: Okay, now, <laughs> what is your emotional standpoint on penis?
1: Well, what do you mean? I like it. I've had five husbands, and, uh, you know, none of those worked out. Uh, the the marriages got worse, but the penis has got a little larger, if you know what I mean. So it's fine. I did, I did good for myself.
2: Started dating the blacks.
1: Sweetie, you know, the rabbi has some issues with, you know, some of that. (laughs) Um, They were all, you know, of Jewish descent. You know, you gotta keep it in the family, if you know what I mean.
2: It was like a Deshaunthony Rosenberg.
1: (laughs) Listen, if my people could only play basketball, you know what I mean? We've been forever damaged by that, but we're working on it. We have croquet. We like that.
2: Now, are cigarettes your only vice? Well,
1: sweetie, I've given up the cigarettes, I think the listeners know. But... But I have a lot of vices. Would you like to find some of them out?
2: Uh, are you a big drug doer, is the question.
1: Sweetie, I only do prescription drugs uh, under the supervision of my doctor. Um, sure, I might be related to my doctor. There might be some ethical issues there. But, you know, I sleep well at night. I get up well in the morning. It's good.
2: So have you mainlined heroin, is what I'm
1: asking. Sweetie, I was alive in the 70s, but no comment. <laughs>
2: I mean if someone's passing it to me? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Listen, it with a different time.
2: <laughs> I, I can help you tie off, is what I'm trying to.
1: Look at you, you are a gem. I, I like know, the I'm two a gentleman,
2: and you. you know, nobody goes and does heroin without me helping out. That's really
1: what my goal here is. Thank you, Colin. You sir, I wonder if you're the bad influence, or if Brian is the bad influence, or are you just both bad influences on each other.
2: I think I'm more upfront about
1: it. <laughs> well, that's good, sweetie. I mean, yeah. that's what it takes, you know. To get past the addiction. (laughs) Well, all right, you two. You had enough. (laughs) It's time for one more question. What's it gonna be? Colin, Brian, who is it? I got one. How do you think
2: think the world's gonna end? I think I stumped her.
1: (laughs) Oh, sweetie. I mean, it's a dreidel spin away. (laughs) I'm not saying I'm a conspiracy theorist or anything, you know, but um, you know, giving people nuclear bombs, I don't think that's a good idea. So probably in a torrent of fire, I would guess.
2: At least you're optimistic about it.
1: (laughs) I'm a giver, I think people know. You know, as long as we're not giving away the nuclear codes, I'm fine. Well, you all have been jealous. (laughs) I love the both of you, and we'll be right back right after this. Mwah!
0: Hey everybody, it's Marsha Houlihan here in Mishawaka, Wisconsin, talking to you about sundresses. That's right. There's nothing like sundresses to make that five degree below seem like springtime. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Booterverse. I am sitting here with Brian Bargainer. We just went through that. It's like Buccaneer. (laughs) I'm sorry, Brian. I'm sorry. My last name is Booterbaugh. I think I can feel your pain internally. It's okay. As long as I don't feel you internally, I think we're all right. I thought we were best friends, so... We are hair best friends. (laughs) Meaning that I've never met a man whose hair is higher than mine, but sir, not only do you have the height, but you also have the girth. How did this occur? Woo.
2: What I did was, it was very simple. It was nothing. Just let my hair grow forever. I like how it's all audio, too.
0: Oh, it's all audio, so they can't (laughs) even see... I have a big old afro.
2: Mm, I love that.
0: (laughs) Does that help you to transcend different audiences?
2: If anything, I think it alienates people because mm. they don't like, they're like, what's he going to talk about? His hair? Yeah. And then I talk about the issues. What issues do you like talking like, about? dick and pussies.
0: Mm. You know, the real issues. You have been, con- <laughs> This is someone said this about you, you have been compared to planned carelessness. Does this also relate to your hair?
2: I think so. I think it's just my lifestyle in general. Like I go, I think ahead of time, oh, I'm not going to do that. And then you <laughs> don't do that. Right. How does that work out for you?
0: Well, I was late for this, but I'm still here, you know. We're glad that you came. <laughs> I don't care if you're late or not. The yeah. only people I care that are late are possible former guests of this show. If they are late, ladies specifically. Oh, okay. Late, right. I was like, are we talking about a, pregnancy? The, uh, yeah, we went there. We went there already. <laughs> we did it. Um, from pregnancy to grilled cheese and orgies, your first album... How did
2: you get there? That was a joke album, basically, because I basically was recording just, like, as much as I could sell, like, on these tours, like, especially a couple of years ago when I first started really touring around and stuff. For hair product, I would assume. Yeah. And dabbling in the comedy, but... uh. Oh, right, right. But um, that specifically was, I was doing a, a live radio interview at a show that I was doing And the guy, like, he did basically what you did. He's like, so tell me about your comedy. But I was all drunk. And he goes, so what are you talking about? And I went, uh, grilled cheese and orgies. And he just cut, like, all right, so we're going to go back and play some Stained now. And then I was like, oh, can I not say that? He's like, well, it depends on the context. And I was like, well, that context. He goes, oh, yeah, no, you can't say that. (laughs) And I was just like, I felt real bad.
1: Don't feel bad. You're just being you. Yeah.
2: So I just, I made it that, like. Like, it was basically the same CD for the last couple tours, but I just named them different things because I wanted to know, oh, you, you, that means you saw me on that tour or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I, I tried to update it, like, every year, but now I, like, have, like, a real, like, full-length CD, and that's, like, done. So Is I got, that Kinda? Huh? Kinda no, ready? that's called I'll Regret This. Do you? Yeah. Oh, instantly. That's great. It was a great show, and I only can focus on the two times that I messed up. You know, like, oh, I said the word the instead of shit or whatever. Well, you know?
0: that that is the mind of the comic. So right. you are self-flagellating <laughs> at all times. I mean, that is, you know, you live in a pit of despair and that's okay.
2: Yeah, I take my dirty jokes very seriously. As one would. <laughs> Too seriously? Uh, I should probably take it more seriously, but serious enough, I guess.
0: Mm. Do you consider yourself slothful? Yes. Do you think most comics are slothful? Uh yeah, the sloths are kind of cute though.
2: Not really. Do you think that baby sloths are? Baby, I never seen a baby sloth, bro.
0: <laughs> you never, bro. Goog- you never seen a baby sloth. You never before? googled baby sloth. I don't know. I saw this really wonderful YouTube video the other day of a baby sloth.
1: That's why it's on my mind. Are they
0: like slower because they're babies too? Yeah,
1: but so cute though, man. Shit. Yeah. Hmm. They move about as fast as you did getting here.
2: <laughs> there was a lot of... We, we ran out of gas almost. Shh.
0: It was that close. You could have called us. We would have come and gotten you. We're <sighs> like the AAA of podcasts.
2: Yeah? Oh, yeah, man. We could have done it, like, on the car right here. Like,
0: the whole interview. What would you have liked to do in a car on the way here? The interview? Oh, the interview. I'm sorry. Yeah. I misinterpreted. I miss misinterpret
2: and, you know, podcast orgy, probably. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now, do you have a podcast of your own? I do. It's called The Booze Binge Hour. I just drink alcohol. (laughs) Is it just another
0: excuse to drink?
2: No, I take that more seriously than my comedy sometimes. Because, like, it basically is I take a different type of alcohol every episode and I drink it. And I answer uh, questions people send in. I usually have, like, a buddy on with me. And uh, that and I have a most offensive joke contest that I do on it.
0: I just get to read awful things all day. That sounds delightful. It is pretty good. But speaking of naughty things, you were on Comedy Central's naughty list in what, 2012,
2: 2013? Yeah. Wow. Someone did the research. I did because that was that's... a Twitter thing. I uh, I do a more recent thing with them now. I write on that CC social scene thing that they do. Yes. With uh, you know, Paul Shear. Oh, of course. Yeah, he's on it. I mean, not personally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I call him P. Uh, you know, uh, me and P were hanging out. Lovely man. Yeah. But that was a thing. That was, um I don't even remember what that was. That was like a joke contest they did like around Christmas, like three years ago.
0: Do you find that being on that naughty list was any different than being on any other naughty list you may or may not have been on? <laughs> it was better because they did
2: a nice and a naughty list that year. And huh. it, was, it was, I don't know. I got to see my name on TV while they played the, the South Park. Uh, it was the Blood Orgy part yes right when that was happening my name was on tv and i was like i made it
0: how was that for you so that was a seminal moment i cried i cried a little bit inside or outside both wow that's Mm life-changing being seeing your name on screen during a blood orgy it just feels right with woodland critter creatures indeed wow it just brings everything full circle Mm. speaking of bringing things full circle we did a little google search of our own and we found your name in terms of anagrams anagrams words that you can make from your name do you can you think off the top of your head any words that we could make from your name like my full name your last
2: name my last name Mm. bar
0: you could (laughs) I'm I'm too dumb for that no barn let me read some of them because this is interesting it may say a lot about you it may say absolutely nothing about you rain Rain is one, Um, banger, is one. It's my old college nickname. Indeed, I can see that. (laughs) With does it go with mash as well, like banger and mash? Kind of like Turner and hooch. Ooh, Ooh. I was born in nineteen
2: eighty (laughs) nine. Mmm.
0: Wow, you but you still made it in the eighties though. Yeah, that's got to feel somewhat good. Yeah, do it in worse. Earring, okay, it's fine. Earring, earring. Do you have earrings? I can't tell under your I hair. I used to, mm. but I don't anymore. What, too dirty? Too, I mean, like, was it, did it get infected? Like... This is
2: what you just said. You couldn't tell,
0: so it was pointless. Mmm. <laughs> but if you are so careless, and your your carelessness is planned, I would say, why not do it? I see, I don't have earrings, because I think they would just get in the way of things. I don't remember
2: why I got rid of it. I used to have, like, plugs and my lip pierced, and I think I just lost them or some shit. <laughs>
0: Is, that like, is Brian, that like the dumbest I, thing anyone's ever said on this show? No. Surprisingly, <laughs> it is not. Um, but I still, my two favorite Reagan, you can make out of your. Oh name. my God. And 89. And That's 89.
2: Reagan was president then. Um, and uh, Angrier. That's. Wow. That described a
0: lot about me, huh? I'm not saying, <laughs> you know, people know, but apparently the an- anagrams have spoken. Yeah, seriously. Do you find that other audiences in America are able to translate your, you know, sort of New England sense of sensibility? Or do you find that it's just, you know, the material is material and everybody can get on board with, I believe you said uh, dick and pussy, Was that correct? Quack and quack jokes,
2: yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, it's like, it, it doesn't, it, I don't think it changes where I go. It just depends on who it is, you know what I mean? Like, some people are not going to be down... For that obviously. I don't want everyone to be down either. Now, when you won the funniest comic of New England, was that a milestone for you? At the time, yeah. It was one of the best moments for me, followed by the shittiest moments for me. Talk to me about that. The booker for that, uh, I'm sure he meant well. It was at Mohegan Sun Casino. In Connecticut, Like we have Foxwoods and Mohegan. That's the second and third largest casino like, in the country. So it was awesome. And there was a lot of people in the contest, so I felt real good. But I was, like, hammered that night. And uh, we went to a bar in the casino afterwards to celebrate. And the booker, like, you know, he hands me, like, the prize money check. Like, I'm, like, so happy. And he goes, hey, so some of the workers here saw the show, and they thought I was a comedian. That's the booker saying this. And he goes, so they want you to go in the back in the kitchen and do a set for the employees, and I was like, nah. And then he's like, well, I just gave you a bunch of money. so And I was like, alright, fine. So I went and did it to like seven Mexicans that didn't speak English and like two white dudes. And it was just like, it was soul crushing. But I did it. I did like ten minutes. And I just hated on them. And they gave me free pitchers of beer for the rest of the night. Right. That's But awesome. it was literally like,
0: I felt like a piece of shit. <laughs> like I felt used. You were yeah but that's okay though because maybe you made them laugh on some level and isn't that your job yeah
2: but that was like at the time the first like real like credit i guess that i ever got you know what i mean
0: absolutely yeah and then you're back in the kitchen (laughs) yeah exactly literally they 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 put you on stage gave you money and then threw you back in the kitchen you know what's funny like in like the the
2: mexican dudes they were like one would go and like wash the dishes for like two minutes then come over and like what's up and then like and i'd be like i don't know it's
0: like you totally missed the
2: setup. Yeah, for he's, that like, joke. She, he's like, he's like, fuck. It's like washing like chicken wing sauce off of something. And he's like, And I'm like, "Yeah." Uh, talking about dick and pussies. Sorry. Have you thought about doing
0: dick and pussy jokes in Spanish, dude? I can barely speak English. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you a product then of Connecticut public schools? Should I assume?
2: I guess. I'm too dumb to know what that means, so it must be. Did you go... Let let me tell you how they're
0: talking. Did you go to the public school? I
2: was actually a high honors. I bet you were. But I just smoked weed every day and slept during class. Mm, All that knowledge
0: is hidden under the hair.
2: Right. Or in the hair. I would just sleep and then take tests well or whatever. Sir, you've taken many stances tonight. I'm very opinionated. I love it. That's (laughs) what we love here. I will passionately defend things I all of a sudden believe in impulsively. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I think that's a great way to live your life. I yeah. mean that seems like you. Well a lot of things are coming full circle. The anagrams, the albums. Yeah. Even your touring schedule, kind of in a circle. No, if
2: you saw this tour you'd be like, What retarded person drew on this map? Was like Was that you? Were yeah, you it was person? me. I book all the things. Like on a day to day it makes sense, but it's literally like a zigzag line. Like we we're in Charleston, and then tomorrow we're in Clarksburg, West Virginia, so that's backwards. No, oh, have fun in Clarksburg. I've been there before. I already know what I'm getting into. And what is that? A bunch of gibbies. You don't know what that is. Can no we one... can we
0: say that on
2: here? Gibbies? I made that term up. Well, talk to us about what's a gibby. Gibbies gibbie? like any undesirable or like a redneck or like a bum usually. You just go look at that fucking Gibby over there. How did you come up with this term? Uh, I actually was watching that show Insomniac with David Tell. Remember yes, that show? Yes, I do. And he was in Kansas City, and I was about to go to Kansas City, and this guy named Gibby on the show smoked a cigarette through his eye, and David Attell's like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I just can't see out that eye no more. And I was like, that's like a whole, like I see like thousands of those people on these tours, so I was like, yeah, the Gibbies."
0: I'm glad that he gave up his eyesight for a good cause. Yeah,
2: it was pretty cool, dude. He literally like he like he sucks real hard through his eye. It looks like he's like hurting himself and he goes it just blows out. Well,
0: I think any medical professional would probably say he is in fact hurting. I don't get himself. how that
2: works. Like that how's your like what does your head look like on the inside if you could suck something through your eye and
0: it, then from my experience it's a lot of emptiness that happens inside.
2: You're usually dissecting
0: faces sometimes. Yeah. That's cool. I'm a man of science. Bourbon and dissecting faces. That's now that's your takeaway of me from this podcast episode right is now. Is that your comedy C D name? <laughs> it is now. <laughs> Bourbon and dissecting faces. Hmm. You heard it first. You heard it first here.
2: <laughs> a lot of a lot of things dropping tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not even hot. They're just they're just nope. dropping. Yep, they, oh, they fell. Gosh,
0: like a adolescence balls. You know what I mean? Mm. Pop! It's a big day It is a big day, a big drop Speaking of big drops, at this time (laughs) in the show Oh yes We give you, the guest, the opportunity To use the mic to say anything you want A carte blanche, tell the audience anything you want You can be funny, you can be not funny You can be poignant You be you, if you want to tell them anything The mic is yours
2: Oh man, I thought I'd been doing that the whole time
0: Oh, you've been doing it Uh, But this is just you, man, you're flying solo Yeah? Yes
2: Oh man, like so I could just be like, "There is no God, all's lost." That's waka what waka. you want to say. Walk. <laughs> Can I walk a walk of that? By all means, I stand by that. Okay. <laughs> there is no God. It's all failed. Waka waka.
0: Well, my friends, this has been another episode of the. Oh, Bo- that's it.
2: Thanks for having me, dude. Cheers.
0: Of course, this has been another episode of the Booterverse. I've been here with Brian Bargneer. Bargainier. And we'll be right back, right after this. Hi, right, it's Glenn McDougall here for Club Soda. Ah, straight club soda. There's nothing I like to put with my table like a good swallow of club soda. Buddha. And now for Booter Thoughts. Well, everybody, if you're wearing flip-flops right now, I can certainly hear you coming. If there's three people you don't want to hear in flip-flops, it's a sorority girl, a serial killer, and your mother. The flippity-floppy you hear in the aisles of your local supermarket are just too much to bear during the summer months. If it were me, I wouldn't use earplugs to drown out a lawnmower, no, I'd take them with me to public places, preferably the beach, to drown out the noise of the sartorially stifled. That's right, let's just assume that flip-flops aren't exactly the most sophisticated sartorial choice you can make this summer. Of course, why don't you plop on a pair of espadrilles like everyone else? No. No, you have to don the flip-flops that's right oh what what was that yes i can still hear you coming now i know this might seem tough it might seem harsh you might say booter what's wrong with flip-flops well i'll tell you why what's in a name oh flip-flop you've said it all i know that this is the sound that my heart makes when it's about ready to give up Why? Because it breaks for those who think that white flip-flops so dirtied by walking by industrial hazard zones and on street corners that it's the best thing since sliced bread. Well my friends, that white bread has become a little dirtied, it's no better than pumpernickel at best. No, those white flip-flops are so dirty it would make your Aunt Martha coil inside and die of disgust. And for those of you who think you can just put a plastic bag around those white flip-flops, no. It just won't work. I suppose the plastic will just shred and you'll be saddened anyway. So if you have a choice this summer about flip-flopping or not, just remember what the booter says. If you're going to flip-flop, make sure you're a politician. And that's been it for today's booter thought. Here at the booterverse, we'd like to send a special thanks to comedian Brian Barganier for being on the show. We'd also like to thank you, the listeners, for tuning in. Of course, we'd like to thank Courtney and Sonny, who help on the production side, and to Quadrants, who composed our theme song. If you haven't had enough of me here, I'm also everywhere on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, under the handle The Booter, And of course, we're also on Pinterest, because, you know, men should be on Pinterest? Buddha. I know interstellar travel is a bit difficult, but the Booterverse is only a click away.